Amen. Now that uh, makes you want to see Jesus, doesn't it? Makes you makes you want to be with Him. As we were singing, makes you want to carry with Him a little longer. And so, and today, that's what we'll do. We'll we'll really get to be with with Jesus and and relate to Him in a real bodily way. And our our, our series as we're preparing for Christmas that that Jesus is uh, come that God has come in the flesh, you know, in the flesh and blood. Um, that uh, that he is in bodily form, and you know, just think about that a little bit. You know, that God, Jesus is God in the flesh. So, does that mean that did God ever stub his toe? You know, did did God get hangry? You know, did 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 did, did God? You know, when he went to sleep, did he have a hundred on his sleep score on his Fitbit every night? You know, what 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 did he look like? But if God became flesh, he was a body like me and you. What, what was that like uh, for, for him? Because we, we can learn from Jesus. If Jesus is fully God and fully human, which is what we believe and understand the scriptures to teach, uh, then uh, how do we live fully bodied beings for God, that's what Jesus shows us. Because we do stub our toe, we do get hangry, we we do need sleep, we we do get frustrated, we we do care about our appearance. So t- today we'll to explore together a little bit how how Jesus, fully God, fully human, um, in flesh. And blood. What wisdom do we gain? What do we learn? What are the the implications theologically of the fact that God became human, just like you and me? I mean, and and God, He's still He is He is still high and exalted, our, our Almighty God, but He's also uh, our friend, our companion. He's our Savior and Lord, but also the one who walks with us. Um. And he's can show us. And, and, and he relates directly to our human experience. Uh, so let's, uh, uh, we're going to walk through just a couple different passages and just see what that means that Jesus uh, is, uh, that Jesus is uh, fully human and that, what that means for us today. But let, let's pray. Uh, Almighty God, again, we thank you for this time to worship you to enjoy you, to celebrate you. Um, thank you that we can be here, you know, in, in the flesh, um, uh, whether uh, live in the flesh or even um, digitally. We, we can be with you and with one another. So we ask that you would speak to us. You, you would help us, Lord, to each one of us, our own ways and our own individual bodies. What does that mean for us? That you, what do you teach us about our bodies today? And for eternity. So in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. All right, the first thing I want, we want to look at, I want to look at the one that's the controversial one, right? That, that, what did Jesus look like? Well, this is what I want you to know. There's not many passages about it. We're going to look at one in Isaiah. But the thing that you're going to see in Isaiah, Jesus was plain looking. He was not really attractive According to the scriptures, the one thing that we know um, that, that, we're, that talks about Jesus' appearance is in Isaiah chapter 53, verses 2 through 5. 
I'm going to read the whole of this, this, this passage so that you know. This is who he's talking about because there's parts of this that we always use for Jesus. For he grew up before him like a young plant, like a root out of dry ground, had no form or majesty that we should look at him, no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Now, you catch, now that last part, we know that's Jesus. I mean, we say that is, that is Jesus. But did you catch that first part there? That there's nothing particularly attractive about his appearance. Yeah, I think that's perfect. Because studies show that most of us think that about ourselves. We all consider ourselves average to maybe a little below average in our looks. So that means we can all relate to Jesus. Because that's what we're told about him. And which is why the world can relate to Jesus. And it does. Yeah, just, you can do the, here, here's some pictures of the, of different ways that people have tried to describe Jesus. An African American Jesus, an Egyptian Jesus, a Korean Jesus, and then be, below it a Chinese, then a First Nation Native American Jesus, and then a white American Jesus. You know, all kinds of, there's all kinds of ways that we, and that's what it's good. What we're saying, we can relate to Jesus because we really don't know what he looks like and he was plain to average. So we all do that in our own way. Now, but I want to share you, share with you. I mean, Jesus was, however, in the flesh. He was a human being, first century Jewish male. And there has been some work to say, well, what might he have looked like? Um, and this, this picture is, is brought to you by forensic science. You know, archaeologically, they've gone and dug up uh, uh, some, uh, the skulls, you know, of first century men. And they take that and use algorithms to say, what would that look like? They use the, the pictures and drawings and paintings, pictures as in drawn pictures, not photographic ones because there weren't any um but and they use those to get the skin color hair color all of that and they've even used the shroud of turin and they take what because shroud of turin is a cloth that was over somebody who died in the first century some people say it was was jesus um others disagree with they use that as well to give this picture and I, i like it sort of plain looking but maybe that's what he would have looked like. But what is ideal and what we really see from this is that, um, that what God is telling us in Jesus is that appearance is not high on the list. What we appear, what we look like is not high on the list. Instead, as we'll see as we look at that, our focus is to be how our body develops and grows in health and in character more than appearance. Now, some of you guys out there, that does not mean you're, you can just chunk your appearance to the wind. Don't, don't, don't let it go. I mean, it's still an important thing, but it is lower on the priority of those of us as we consider our body. Appearance is not first 
on the list. Um, we know this as well, that that's the heart of God, because a story in the Hebrew scriptures where um, uh, Israel was getting a new king. Um, Samuel was the prophet of the day. This is the voice of God. And so Samuel was to go and went to Jesse's house and got Jesse's sons. He had a bunch of them. And from Jesse's house, one of his sons was going to be king. And Samuel goes and he goes to all the, the sons and none, he goes to the good looking one, the strong one, you know, the ones that would really make a, a great photo op. And they're like, no, none of these are, are the ones. And in the midst of that, God tells Samuel, God, man looks at the outer appearance. God looks at the heart. And then he goes and picks David as the king. So, so again, our focus in our bodies, how does our body, how, does, how is it healthy and how does it grow in character? Because our bodies are the primary tool that God has given to us. Your body is the primary tool that God has given to you to fulfill God's mission. Jesus fulfilled the mission of God in his body. He had to have one. So too do you. It is who you are. And it's the primary tool to which God fulfills God's mission is through your body. Now, so appearance, secondary, character and hope. Character and uh, um, uh, health are more important than appearance. Um, health first. I mean, one thing we know about Jesus. He, need, he lived the fullness of human reality. He, he got tired. Jesus got hungry. He faced the same realities that we face in terms of what we might consider the limitations. Maybe it's just the reality of our body. Um, uh, a couple passages here from the Gospel of, of Matthew. Uh, Matthew uh, 4, 2. And after fast, talking about Jesus, after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Duh, okay. So he's not some superhuman. He's not a superhero. You know, he, he doesn't eat, he gets hungry, and he needs to eat. Uh, another in Matthew 8. And behold, again, uh, Jesus was on the, the this boat. There was a great storm on the sea, so the boat was being swamped by the waves, but he was asleep. Jesus needed to sleep. He he grew tired. Just like you and I, he needs to take time to nourish his body and to rest his body. Again, our bodies are gifts of God. They're the means in which we fulfill God's plan for us in this life. Therefore, we want to keep our bodies in excellent condition in order to fulfill God's mission. We want to keep our bodies in good shape. We, we need to exercise. We need to eat well. We need to sleep well. We need to take care of our bodies. Paul says that to Timothy. But again, he puts it in its right perspective. This is in, you know, Paul was a teacher and Timothy was one of his students who was studying for, for ministry. He's going to be one of the pa- pastor in Ephesus in some places. And in chapter four, verse eight, this is on, on your screen, but he says that Paul tells him for physical exercise is of limited value. But it's a value. So, you know, keep doing it. But godliness is valuable in every way. Holding promise for the present life and for the one to come. Later on, Paul tells Timothy, Hey, you need to be drinking wine a little bit to take care of your stomach ailment. He realizes that physical exercise is good. You have to take care of your health. But 
again, putting things in priority. So there's appearance, there's health, and then there's character. Godliness. Our bodies have needs, though, that require our attention. Not our primary attention, but our attention nonetheless. Jesus can relate to those needs. Every one of our needs, Jesus can relate to that. But he shows us that what we want to use ultimately our bodies for, our highest priority is godliness, is to walk with God. And and we see this in Jesus. Jesus put his body in places where he would grow with God. He put his body in places just like you did today. You've put your body in a place where you can grow with God and those online as well. Uh, Luke chapter 4, verse 16. And he came to Nazareth where he'd been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stood up to read. It was his habit. This is at age 30. This is right before Jesus sort of starts his ministry. But it was his habit in his life to come to the synagogue. It was his custom. Luke 22, another of his customs. And he came out. And went, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives. And the disciples followed him. That was the place. That was the garden that he went to. To be with the Father. It was his lifelong custom and habit to gather with God's people. Around God's word. To encourage, challenge, hear God one another. And it was his custom to regularly get away to be with the Lord. To be with his heavenly Father. And, and that's really important that he, he put his body in those places. Because sometimes we can think about spirituality in a disembodied way. We can think of our body, well, it's just really a, a suitcase for our, what's really important, our soul. That is not a biblical notion. Your body is absolutely essential. It is a necessary, beautiful part of who God has created you to be and necessary to fulfill God's mission. So therefore, we have these priorities. Of, yeah, appearance is, 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 is one of those things. Health is even more important. And godliness, our character, is even more important. Your body matters. So put it in places where you will grow in God. Your body matters because that's what Jesus did. Learn from him. He had habits and customs that helped him, that led him to do that very thing regularly. That's why God has said from the beginning, hey, every seventh day, take a full day, be with me, get away, rest, Sabbath. Sabbath isn't just rest, it is rest in God. Maximize your time with God and others who are also focusing on God in order to maximize the ultimate potential that you and I have in growing in God. That, that's what our habits and customs are, are to be for, to form our very soul according to the very character of God. Uh, that, that's why it's important for us to gather here. 
And important for us to gather in small groupings of people where we gather around His Word and we explore how it connects with our lives. That's why we have growth groups. And while we just finished a, a real focus on growth group, we're going to do another one um, in, uh, during Lent um, in the month of, of March uh, where we really encourage and focus all folks to come together in small groups around God's Word with the focus on applying it in our lives. What does it mean for us to put your body in a place with people around God's Word? So that we can do the the highest priority of our life. To bring our life in alignment with more and more with the character of God. And you've heard me say this before. If if you're you're so busy uh, that you you, you can only do one thing. One thing in in church. One custom like this. Then I tell you the the most important is is the being in that small group around God's word. Sharing your life with each other. Even if you have to just be online with us on Sunday morning. Are you in a group where you're engaging with your life, their life around God's word so that you are being formed in the character of of God? That is of highest priority. Now, one other thing. Putting your body in the place of of gathering with others actually in religious settings actually has shown to be a healthy thing for you as well. This is, this is uh, in uh, a study that was uh, released in May of 2020. It's done by Harvard University. You know, not, not a Christian institution, but just one looking at the realities that they study. Here's what they found, that those who attended religious services at least weekly see tangible health benefits, including being significantly less likely to die from deaths of despair. Things like suicide, drug overdose, alcohol abuse. They're in quotes. The study authors noted that religious participation may serve as an important antidote to despair and an asset for sustaining a sense of hope and meaning. So even has benefits uh, um, far beyond even just growing in the character of God, but has health benefits even beyond. So your body matters. So put it in the place where you'll grow with God. Because that's what Jesus did. Now, the other thing that we see in Jesus is that in his life, he also developed. He changed. He he transformed. He, He matured. He was subject to the physical realities of human development, just like we were. I mean, he was born as a baby. He didn't grow up as a savant. You know, he didn't change his own diapers. He didn't produce his own milk. He he wasn't a child prodigy. He he had to develop and grow. Um, Luke 2, verse 40. And this is Luke 2. And those that are still doing growth groups, uh, I encourage you to read a little bit more of Luke 2 because this is the section where Jesus is a 12-year-old. Actually, Luke 2, 40, this is right after his circumcision. So he comes in again. Family brings him in for the circumcision. And we're told the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. So he grew. And it's physically, it's spiritually, intellectually, um, he he grew. His character, he he grew. Um, Then the end of uh, chapter 2, the next verse, this is right after the story of him as a 12-year-old, which is in Luke 12. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. 
Admit, he, he increased. He had this amount here, and in time, he had this amount. That meant he had to develop just like we have to develop. Now, that's a fun theological rabbit hole to go down. You know what? How does that exactly work? How does God increase in anything? But God the Son, fully human, develops just like we do. Physically, relationally, emotionally, intellectually, spiritually. He develops over time. He was dependent upon that natural human development processes. And so, therefore, the same is true for you. You are on a journey of maturing and developing. We are on a a journey of maturing and developing. We never arrive to our primary goal of being transformed according to the character of God. We, We don't get there. Even in eternity, we're continuing to grow. We're continuing to mature. We're continuing to increase. Because Jesus, you know, is perfect. He does it without sin, but yet he still increases. So for eternity, we will continue to grow and mature. But right now, the eternity, God's got that taken care of. But for right now, what, what are we, how are we growing and maturing now? Going back to those habits. What are those habits that you put your body in places where you are growing in the character of God? What are the habits you want to continue that you celebrate that that happens? And it could be habits of, of any of the, the kind that we've been talking about as we think about Jesus being in the body. It could be our body health. You know, it could be, yeah, you, you got good habits or you need to, or what habits do you, you need to take on when it comes maybe to sleep or exercise or healthy eating? Or what habits for spiritually? What habits were of customs like Jesus in terms of putting your place, putting your body in a place where you'll continue to grow in God? Um, you know, one of those uh, in our age today, one of the prior, one, one of the ones that is significantly challenging for us is sleep. Uh, as a, as a people, the in our age today, we get less sleep than humans have gotten throughout the ages, according to. Scientific surveys. You know, we live in that 24-hour-a-day world. And the screen is always beckoning us. You know, you know Netflix? You know that uh, it's a streaming service on... It's a TV channel uh, where you can watch movies uh, a lot. It's, uh, it's called Netflix. And uh, the chairman of Netflix, and they show movies all the time. And they got a bunch of them. You can go, go get whatever ever you want on there. And the chairman of Netflix was asked, that was in the last year or two, said, uh, what's your biggest competition? Because there's a bunch of TV channels now. You know, I don't know, thousands TV channels now. What's, so which one are your biggest competition? You know what he said? Sleep. Sleep is my biggest competition. I want to keep people awake. That's what I'm trying to do. And so if that's his motive, and he's in tune. Netflix is one of the most successful TV channels. He's in tune with what is happening. And the screen time is competing with our sleep time. And there may be times we need to, and I know the screen's a good thing. I mean, actually, I read my Bible more on the screen than anything else. So screen time in itself isn't evil. But screen time in our age can compete with our sleep time, which we know is necessary for the health of our body. 
So what, what for you? What for you is that habit, that custom, whether it's body health, spiritual health, whatever it might be. Because it's these customs that have impact over time, that have impact on this developmental journey that we are on. And here's, here's, but I want you to remember, this developmental journey, as I said, it is eternal. And you're like, ah, eternal. No, we die and we go to heaven. Exactly. And guess what? Jesus is still in his human form today in heaven. Now, it's a glorified form, but he, God, the Son, Jesus Christ, is in human form today in heaven. Let's look at Luke 24. Uh, 36 through 43. This is one of his resurrection appearances. A little longer uh, passage here. Um, but this is Jesus after the resurrection. Uh, he's now come upon his people. As they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet. That it is I myself, touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish and he took it and ate before them. Jesus still in human form who still eats. He still has scars of what he did in before his resurrection, before glorification. And he still eats. Jesus is in human form even today. Now it's glorified, purified. Well, he was always pure, but glorified, resurrected form with the Father. He is still in that form. Now, and, and so here, here's what I want you to know. Your body is an eternal gift. An eternal gift that God has created for you in its pure form. And again, we're all broken. We're all, we're all uh, 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 surrounded by sin within us and around us. There's disease and injuries and abuse and misuse and accidents and all the rest that have malformed our bodies. And a day will come when they're reformed totally, just as Jesus was, but yet with continuity to the things that we've done on earth. That's what Jesus is showing us. So our, our bodies have eternal reality. Now, you think about that. Does that change how you view your body? When you recognize it is the eternal. It is eternal in its gift to you and it is the eternal way in which you fulfill God's mission and will fulfill God's mission for all of eternity does that change the way we view our bodies today I think so I mean I think I think any any expert um, in, in some craft who has tools they they cherish and take care of those tools and so if you think about your body in that way, that this is the primary tool in which we fulfill God's mission, we glorify God, we honor God, we serve God, we, we do the things that God would call us to, to do and to be, it's in, still all in our bodies, then yeah, it changes that. I mean, it reminds me of Mr. Pruitt. Mr. Pruitt was a, uh, the, my, Johnny's, uh, my good friend, Johnny growing up, is his dad. And Mr. Pruitt worked on cars. I mean, all kinds of, of cars as a, uh, as a hobby. 
Not his job. He was actually owned an insurance company. But he loved working on old cars and rehabbing them and those kind of stuff. And But his workshop was off limits. It was the Holy of Holies in the Pruitt household. And you, it was, you were not supposed to even go inside. And one time, Johnny and I, I don't know, elementary school, middle school, age, we, we just needed a screwdriver, you know, to, I don't know what we were fixing or playing with or, but we just needed it for a minute and we snuck in. This is before the day's video cameras and all that kind of stuff. We snuck in, got a screwdriver and did what we needed to do and went in and put it back. That evening, Mr. Pruitt uh, comes home, goes in, Johnny! Yeah, we knew we were in trouble then. Who used my screwdriver? We're like, how did he know he was in the wrong place? You know, I mean, he had these holes where you put all the tools, you know, and we put it in the wrong hole. Who knew he did? Because he cherished. The, the, those tools were a part of what he, he loved and what he's an expert. That, our, our bodies are, are like that. It is the way that Jesus fulfilled his mission that God has given him and the way that we get to fulfill the mission that God has given to us. An eternal gift of God. It's why our, our health, our character are so important. Our bodies aren't limitations. They're not even necessary evil. They're not just the carrier for our soul. They are the eternal gift God to fulfill God's mission. That is a healthy body image. You hear that language a lot. You need a healthy body image. This is a healthy body image. It focuses on character and health and pursuing the very mission that God has given to us. That is a healthy body image. And the good news is that Jesus knows. He knows what we face, the limitations, the challenges, the struggles that we face in our bodies. He knows the needs. He knows the best way that our body develops and grows. He knows the best way that your body fulfills God's mission. And He frees us in the power of His resurrection because He used His body perfectly in accordance with the will of the Father to bring salvation to the world. He frees us from sin and guilt and death, from the brokenness of our bodies. He frees us from disease and abuse and injury and misuse and any other implication of the fallenness of our world on our bodies. He frees us in the power of His resurrection so that we can live for God today in the the flesh, in blood, in in the ways that, that we can even in the midst of our own brokenness. He knows the eternal value of your body. That's why he gave his body for yours. He knows what challenges and what concerns and dreams and desires that you have, that we have for our bodies. So we can bring them to Jesus because he can relate. You know, in this day, in this day and age, there's such a mixed up notion of body images, upside down priorities where people pay thousands and thousands for their appearance and don't give a second thought about their character. We get to be witnesses to the world of here's how, why, how and why God created us. 
Here's why God gave us a body. This is our purpose. This is a healthy body image. We get to give the appropriate value to our bodies. The same value that Jesus does. Submitting to the mission that God has for us. I mean, what a, what a beautiful freeing witness we can give to those around us who are bombarded by the lies of the world about what your body is about. What, what a wonderful opportunity we have to share and show to others. No, this is what I use my body for because this is why God gave it to me. That's our witness. Witness of good news to the world that Jesus gave his body for us and freed us to share with others. Let's pray.